Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. When Daniel's visions had come to an end, and when his life and his book had finished being penned, that son of man had still not come for them. For as the visions promised, God's kingdom would come long after Daniel and his friends. It would come after the Persians, Medes, Greeks, and Babylonians. For even though Israel was back in their land, they were still waiting for their savior. They were still waiting for the son of man. He would not reach his goal through furnaces, lion's dens, or amassing armies and gold. Instead, he would transform a cross into his throne. Good morning, South Valley. How you guys doing today? You guys excited for Candy Walk tonight? I cannot wait. It's going to be awesome. I heard that. Uh, so we, I heard about some of the setups we have, but I know one car is bringing live animals, including a donkey. So that's going to be hard to beat. I also know there's like a biker crew showing up and this biker crew all got together and they're going to be handing out candy and setting up their bikes to look like something. I don't even know what. So it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a great night. Please bring your friends, bring your family members, spread the word. If you can, go on our social media on Facebook, on Instagram, share our Candy Walk image and just get the word out there. We want to bless our community. We want to see our community. We want to just have a good time, see the smiles, bless our kids, and just have a great time connecting with folks. I'm excited for today because we got Candy Walk this evening, which I just cannot wait for. I'm also excited because, guys, we did this. We are in the final chapter of the book of Daniel. We are finally there. Yeah, we should clap for that. We did this thing 14 weeks, 12 chapters. Now, and and here's the thing. We have not skipped a single verse, which is a big deal. You guys realized that last week. We, We went through 45 verses last week in one sermon, and I kept you guys here until almost dinner time, and you stayed for it. So thank you for that. Today, I feel like a normal pastor because I'm only preaching 13 verses in one sermon. It feels awesome. Okay, it's like, I cannot believe that. It's been a long time since I've done that. We are in the last chapter of the book of Daniel. We've covered every chapter, every verse. I mentioned earlier, a lot of pastors, they don't preach the second half of the book. They only preach the first half or a couple scenes like the Daniel and the lion's den picture. But we've, we've done it. We've done the prophecies. We've done the 70 weeks prophecy in Daniel 9. We have not skipped a verse. And so I want to finish strong today. Last week, we learned that the final section of the book, chapters 10 through 12, form one single vision. Chapter 10 describes how Daniel received this vision. Chapter 11 describes the vision itself, which is what we covered last week. 45 verses that contained 135 prophecies, highlighted five future rulers, one of those rulers being this terrifying uh, future person known as the Antichrist. And now in Daniel chapter 12, he's picking up where he left off and he's also giving an encouragement to God's people, a final piece of encouragement for the days ahead. And in Daniel 11, as we got to the end of it, we learned these characteristics about this future ruler. He was a terrifying ruler. He would war against God's saints. He would set himself up to be worshiped. We call him the Antichrist. He was the man of bold face earlier in the book. He's called also in the New Testament, the man of lawlessness. And now chapter 12 picks up right where we left off with that. Today's sermon is titled, The Final Judgment. That's where we're at today in Daniel chapter 12, The Final Judgment. If you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and open there and I'm gonna pray for us. God. I pray right now as we close out this series that we would end not with just a bang, but with hearts that are open, hearts that are soft. Lord, you promise that your son will return in power and in glory. Father God, you promise that one day when he returns that all people, big and small, those who have lived, those who will live, those who are alive now today will stand before his throne and will give an account And for some of us, we are ready for that day. 
For others of us in this room, we are not prepared even in the slightest. And so I just ask God that we would be honest with ourselves this morning, that we'd be real about the struggles that we have in our lives, that we'd be real about the ways that we're trusting you and the ways that we're denying you. And I just ask that you would create a people who are faithful to your word, who are faithful to spreading your gospel, who are faithful to proclaiming the truth. I love you and I praise you, Lord Jesus. And we pray this in your name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. One of the greatest military operations of all time happened during World War II, and it was called Operation Overlord. Operation Overlord is something we refer to now today simply as D-Day. Do you guys remember D-Day? D-Day in World War II happened on June 6, 1944, when the Allied forces launched a combined naval, air, and land assault on the beaches of Normandy. They stormed the beaches of Normandy in Nazi-occupied France. They sent 18,000 paratroopers to different drop zones, the most that the world had ever seen at that time. 7,000 vessels carrying 132,000 ground troops to storm the beaches of Normandy. It was, it was the largest naval and land operation in history. I think I have a picture of it for you, a little glimpse of it. If you've seen movies on this, I'm sure. You've seen television shows. You've read articles about this as soldiers are coming wave after wave onto the beaches under heavy fire and they're just risking their lives, putting themselves out there because this was a massive moment in World War II. Strategizing generals on both sides knew that if you could occupy those beaches, if you can establish a beachfront here in Normandy, then you could win the war. And so Hitler and his troops wanted to defend it. And the Allied forces, they were determined to take it. And they got together. The strategy was put in, was put in place. Lots of planning, lots of energy. And they attacked. And on that day, there was an enormous price to be paid because the Allied casualties was, were estimated around 10,000 people. But D-Day marked a decisive turning point in the war. D-Day is where the war turned in our favor. In fact, Adolf Hitler knew that losing this meant he was likely going to lose the war. And so he gave one last final stand. He launched a desperate counterattack, refusing to give up. Although essentially in this moment, the war had been won. But for another year, there was fighting and there was brutal fighting as Hitler took his final stand. There's another important day though in history. It's not just D-Day, it's called V-E Day. V-E Day means victory in Europe day. This happened almost a year later, May 7th, 1945. And this is the day the war was officially ended as Germany finally signed an unconditional surrender. And between these days though, D-Day and V-E Day, there were some intense battles. There was a lot of bloodshed as Hitler was trying to do what he could to push back the forces and to protect himself, but his day of judgment had come. I share this with you because Daniel chapter 12 is a picture of D-Day versus V-Day. It sounds a lot like what you see here in World War II. For Christians, our D-Day happened at the cross of Jesus Christ. When Jesus went to the cross, when nails were in, pierced through his hands and his feet, and a, thorn, a, a crown of thorns was forced upon his skull, he died in that place for the sins of the world. He paid for, for our sins, your sins, my sins, Sins in the past, sins in the present, sin was dealt with. He, he delivered a, a, a blow to Satan, sin, and death. In that moment, he defeated those foes on the cross. Jesus accomplished our decisive win on the cross by substituting himself. Satan was defeated with a swift blow. And actually in Daniel chapter nine, 
Daniel gave a picture of this and promised that this day would happen. He said in 924 that Messiah would come to finish transgression, that's to do away with sin, to put an end to sin, and to atone for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness. That is what Jesus did in the, on the cross. That is the Christian D-Day. But this begs the question, if Jesus defeated Satan's sin and death on the cross, then why is Satan still on the prowl? Have you guys ever thought about that? If Satan is defeated, if sin is defeated, if death has been defeated through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then why is Satan still on the prowl? Why do you and I still battle with sin? Even though if we're Christians, we've overcome it, we're no longer stained by it, we are no longer judged because of it, we are free, we are forgiven, we are washed, we are white as snow, but why is there still a battle? Well, in Daniel 12, we're given a picture of V-Day. You see, on D-Day, Satan was defeated. But on V-Day, Victory Day, in the future, Satan will be destroyed. There is a time between Jesus' first coming and Jesus' second coming. In his first coming, he secured everything that we needed for salvation, for life, for victory. You and I, if we belong to Christ, we are victorious in him. Can I get an amen? amen. But we are still looking forward to a future victory where we are not just talking about a defeated foe. We're not talking about just sin being defeated. We're not talking about just death being defeated, but we're talking about total victory. Satan will be no more. He will be cast into the lake of fire. And right now though, between those two times of his first coming and his second coming, Satan knows that he has to make his final stand. He is making his final stand in this moment, wreaking havoc on God's people, wreaking havoc on the, on the earth. And one day he's going to, it's gonna culminate with the future ruler, someone we know as the Antichrist, and he will wage war against the saints, kind of like Hitler did, where he knew his time was short and he had a little bit of time to wreak a lot of havoc. And that's exactly what's happening now today. We are still waiting for Satan to be destroyed. And his destruction, although he's already been defeated, his destruction happens at the final judgment. Daniel chapter 12 is a picture of the final judgment. So if you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and turn now to Daniel 12. We're gonna look at the Christian victory day. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge over your people. Now we talked about this in Daniel chapter 10, but there are angelic beings, spiritual beings, divine beings working behind the scenes. Okay, we talked about how there was a prince over Persia and there was a prince over Greece. And these were demonic forces working behind the scenes, influencing the entire nation, sowing propaganda and lies to fool people and to, to wreak havoc on their lives. Similarly, though, behind the veil of what we see in front of us, there are also angelic beings like Michael, the archangel. Michael, the archangel, he, he fights for God's people. He oversees, he watches over the people of Israel. And so I just want to, before we move on here really quickly, just as Satan sends demons to attack you and to look for strongholds in your life and to tear you down, so also Jesus sends his angels to build you up and strengthen you and minister to you. Did you know that? There is a war daily for your soul. There is a war. And, and there's a desire for, from Satan for you to, to believe lies there's a desire from the Lord for you to see the truth. Satan sends attack after attack after attack. He's making his final last stand. Jesus has already won, but he knows that we are weak on our own. He gave us his Holy Spirit so that we could, if, just so you know, if you're a Christian here today, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Did you know that today? Amen. You can stand against forces of darkness, you can stand against the evil one because Jesus already defeated him, where? On the cross. That is why you can stand. Well, Michael is fighting for God's people. And there shall be a time though, 
This is the vision Daniel gets. A time in the future of trouble. Satan's making his final stand. He's been defeated. He's a wounded animal. One day in the future, there's going to be a time of great trouble. Such has never been since there was a nation till that time. This is going to be the worst time the world has ever known. We just talked about World War II. We know how terrible life can get, how terrible human leaders could be, how terrible dictators can be. We know that. We, we, we know about guys like Hitler. There's going to be a time that's even worse. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. This time of trouble that we're told about here in Daniel chapter 12 is elsewhere in scripture, especially by Jesus. He uses this phrase. It is called the great tribulation. Have you guys ever heard of that phrase before? The great tribulation is a time we already studied back in Daniel chapter nine. If you guys could go listen back at that one, if you haven't heard that sermon, we called it the GOPE, the greatest of all prophecies. It's a huge prophecy in a, in a t few verses. It's an important one for the whole Bible. Daniel prophesied though, in the 70 week prophecy, that there would be a final week or a final set of sevens, a final seven years, where there would be a great tribulation on the earth. And this was a future event. So let's show you how it would play out here. So here's a, a little picture of the tribulation and second coming. Daniel prophesied that in the future, there would be a seven year period, the seven years that we call the tribulation. Jesus talks about this. Revelation talks about this. Daniel talks about this. Other prophets talk about this when they talk about the day of the Lord. And this seven year period is broken down into two sections. It's cut in half, a three and a half year section and another three and a half year section. Well, the angel describes this as a troubling time on earth where God's people will be persecuted unlike ever before. Jesus says, so when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, did Jesus believe in the words of Daniel? Yes. That's the answer, just so you know. Yes. So if Jesus believed in the words of Daniel, should we believe in the words of Daniel? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're catching on. There we go. Okay. The abomination of desolation. We've talked about this guy already. Antiochus Epiphanes was a picture of the Antichrist. He put himself up in the, in the temple, set himself up to be worshiped as a preview of something to come. When you see him standing in the holy place, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world. He's echoing Daniel chapter 12 until now. No, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. For the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Now, many of you throughout this sermon series, as we started getting into some prophecy stuff, some of you have been asking me, okay, all right, so when's the rapture? When's the rapture? What, what about the rapture? How's this rapture thing play out? We haven't talked about the rapture yet. We talked about the return of Jesus. We talked about the great white throne judgment now today, but when is this rapture thing gonna happen? Now, some of you in this room, you grew up reading a series of books called the Left Behind series. Anybody in this room read that series of books? Okay, you either grew up reading it or you read it as adults. And so you have an idea of what, uh, what the rapture looks like based on that book, uh, where there's this, this season where you might wake up one day and everyone's kind of, that belongs to Jesus is gone and they're missing and, and then you're in like the last days in that tribulation period. So uh, there's lots of different views on this. What I want you to know is that the rapture is a very debated topic, okay? It's very debated. How the rapture happens, when the rapture happens, if the rapture happens. It's a very debated topic. That's why we haven't talked about it yet because nothing is even alluded to it so far in the book of Daniel. But since we're talking about it now, let me just show you a couple things on the rapture. Um, oh, so where do we find the rapture in, in, in the Bible? Well, there's a few sections that we hear about the return of Jesus and us being caught up with him. One of those, the main ones, is 2 Thessalonians 2. It says, now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being together with, gathered together with him. For that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness, who's the man of lawlessness? Antichrist is revealed. He's the abomination of desolation, right? We talked, this, he has a lot of different names. 
Then the the son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God. Who else did this? Antiochus Epiphanes. He was a preview of the Antichrist, a picture of a future person who's gonna put himself into the the temple and, and try to set himself up to be worshiped, proclaiming himself to be God. Now, with that in mind, there are a few views on this topic of rapture. One is a view we call the, the, a pre-trib view. So this is the tribulation, right? If, if you take a pre-trib view, you, meet, you believe that the rapture happens before the tribulation. That's why it is pre-trib. The other view that you might have, it's a common view, that's a mid-trib view. So the, the tribulation is broken down into two sections. There's a three and a half year season of the Antichrist establishing himself and, and creating a, a buy-in and, and uniting nations and, and becoming this winner that everyone wants to follow. And then he flips the script and he sets himself up to be worshiped and he wars against the saints. And so some people think, well, no, Jesus returns here in the middle and God's people are taken up to him and then he leaves and then he comes back again in the future. And there's this whole left behind scenario. That's mid-trip. And then there's another view that's post-trip after the tribulation. And this view is more of a, there is no necessarily left behind scenario. There is no, you know, one day you wake up and some of your loved ones are gone because they belong to Jesus and you didn't. It's just that one day Jesus is gonna come back and when he comes back, he's gonna gather his people. He's gonna gather the world, in fact, and everyone will be judged and everyone will stand before him and he will set up a new heavens and a new earth and establish his kingdom. And somewhere in here, there's something, there's debate over something called the millennium. Now, we don't have a lot of time to talk about that, but you probably, if you do study some of this stuff, you know what I'm talking about. So those are the common views on this topic. Now, I've been cornered after a few sermons and asked, what about the rapture? What about the rapture? What do you believe about the rapture? Well, here's the thing. I'm not going to tell you. Um, and here's why. I have a view that I feel like I could defend very successfully. And I feel like it's the right view. And, uh, and I, I would love to, to share it at some point. But the, today is not about that. You can have any of these views and still be biblical because there's a lot of debate about when this stuff actually happens and how this stuff actually happens. There's a lot of debate around this. So I don't wanna impose my view on you. You can wrestle through the scriptures yourself. You could come up with a view. I think I have the right view though, just gonna say. Um, but uh, uh, I could tell you guys that at another time because here's the thing. The concern today is not when will the rapture happen? Or how will the rapture happen? The concern today in Daniel 12 is, are you ready for the return of Jesus? That's the concern. Daniel 12, one, he says, but at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. The book that he's talking about here is often called the book of life. Revelation describes it as the book of life, but nothing unclean will ever enter into the new heavens, new earth, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And so the big question today is not when is the rapture or is there a rapture or anything to do with the rapture? The big question you and I have to wrestle through today is this, is my name, is your name, in the book. That's the question. If Jesus came back now, would you be ready? If he came back in the middle of the tribulation, would you be ready? If he came back at the end, would you be ready? If you stood before the Lord right here, right now, would you be ready? Guys, life on earth is a vapor. We are here one day, we are gone the next. I just showed you a picture of young soldiers storming the beaches of Normandy in 1944. None of those soldiers are here anymore. They're gone. That picture is history. Guess what? The pictures in our home will one day be history. We, we are here for a moment and then we're gone. The question is this, When we leave, will we be ready? Whether we leave by death or we leave because the return of Jesus Christ, 
Are we ready? Are we ready to meet our maker? Are we ready to stand before the Lord? Is our name in the book or is our name out of the book? I hope you know today that God is extremely gracious. I hope you know today that he wants to see no one perish. I hope you know today that he finds no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He wants to see you come to saving faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. God loves you. God cares about you. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die on a cross in your place for your sin so that you could be redeemed, so that you can be saved, so that you can have hope in this life, hope in the life to come. But here's the thing. You can either receive that amazing gift from God And you could be ready for that final day when this short, little, tiny, little life you're living is over or you could reject it all. What will you do? Will you receive him or will you refuse him? You see, one day there is going to be a final judgment. All of history is heading in this direction. This earth will not last forever. This earth will be burnt up. There will be a new heavens and a new earth. There there will be a day where we stand before the Lord. And on that day, there will be two kinds of people and there will be two sets of books. Revelation describes this. There's on one side, there's the stack of books and all these books record all the deeds that, that, unrepentant sinners have committed that those, the the things that we have thought, the things that we have said, the careless things that we've talked about on the internet, the, the, the actions that we've taken, everything is recorded. We are held accountable. We are, we are called to justice. Everything is in those books. Nothing is overlooked. There will be perfect justice. There will be a perfect reckoning. It is all in those books on one side. And then the, the other side, there's a book. And this book is called the book of life. And in the book of life, there's not a list of deeds. There's a list of names. Is your name in that book? Look at what Revelation says about this day. Revelation says, we have it on the screen. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small. Everyone resurrects, okay? You need to see this. Everyone resurrects. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Daniel says this, he goes on in Daniel 12, verse two, he says exactly similarly to what you just read here in Revelation uh, chapter 20, Daniel says this. So he's getting this vision, there's a final judgment, and this is what it says. And many of those who sleep, that's those who have perished, who have died, who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Everyone will resurrect. Did you know that? Everyone who has ever lived, who will ever live, everyone will one day resurrect and be given a resurrection body. You will awake. Some will awake to everlasting life. Some will awake to everlasting shame, to shame and to everlasting contempt. We are all made to live forever. Every single one of us. We are all made to live body and soul every single one of us. When we die right now, our bodies are sown into the earth and our soul continues to live on. But one day our soul will be once again united with a physical, heavenly, earth, uh, heavenly, everlasting body. And that everlasting body is a body for everybody. Everybody will one day rise and some will rise to everlasting life. Some will rise to everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Some will be rewarded at the resurrection. But I, Daniel, but Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. There'll only be two kinds of people on the last day. 
Those who resurrect to everlasting life. Those who resurrect to everlasting contempt. This verse is a clear prediction of the bodily resurrection of the godly and the ungodly for the final judgment. There are two kinds of people who will be gathered. And Daniel is being given this picture of the final judgment as a picture of encouragement to stay faithful. Because here's the thing, Daniel had been going through lots and lots of battles, lots and lots of trials. And he was wondering where are things headed? Will, will the wicked be dealt with? Like I've seen so much wickedness on the earth. Will the wicked be dealt with? And God sends a messenger to say, yes, in fact, they will. One day the son of God will come. He will establish his throne and everyone will stand before him. And everyone whose name is not written in the book will be held accountable for every every deed that they have done. Here's the thing. God loves you so much that he sent his son so that on that day of judgment, it wouldn't be a day of judgment for you. It would be a day of rejoicing and a day of joy and a day of reward for those who believe. But if you don't trust in Jesus dealing with your sins on the cross, then you will have to deal with your sins on the day of judgment. There are two ways, two roads, two paths. And Daniel is being given a picture of being encouraged because God has his back and he just needs to put one foot in front of the other, not give up, not give in. Here's the thing. You and I, we're gonna be tempted at times to turn our back on the Lord. You and I are gonna be tempted at times to give up when life is hard. Uh, I know people here today who are struggling with, with marriage. They're wanting to give up on their marriage. I know people today who are struggling with their relationship with the Lord and, and they don't know if like they could keep doing this anymore and they're, they're gonna wanna give up. I wanna encourage you today. Daniel is getting the encouragement today to stay faithful. Yes, life will throw things hard at you, but one day you will be vindicated. You will get to the finish line. And if you belong to Jesus, you will in fact win. Last week, uh, I took my son Johnny racing. Let me lighten things up here a little bit, okay? I know this is some heavy stuff today. Last week, I took my son racing in Bakersfield. We're new to this thing. We started doing BMX when we moved out here. There's a place in Lemoore, there's a place in Hanford, and we've been going on Mondays, Wednesdays, racing BMX. It's a fun thing we're doing as a family. My son loves it. There was a national down in Bakersfield. So I wanted to see like, hey, maybe Johnny could like make a main event at a national race. And we get there and, uh, and to my surprise, he made it straight through to the main. And so I'm like, wow, that's pretty awesome. Well, maybe he could podium in a main event. And we go up to the line and we're about to start and the gate drops and when the gate drops, he kind of tips over and he slams himself on the, the crossbar of his bicycle and, and, and he, he, he's in last place. And so in that moment, I thought, oh my gosh, it's over. It's done. He's, he's you know, it was a good try. It, was, it's, it is what it is. But Johnny, to my surprise, he got this fire in him and he just took off and he went from dead last all the way to second in the main event of this national race. It was awesome. Yeah, I was cheering like crazy on the sidelines. I can't even tell you how excited I was. And he pulls across the finish line and he's crying, not because he lost, but because he, he hit his... Um, on the um, crossbar, yeah, he hit his, you know. Um, so he was crying about that and he was really hurting. But he was so, I was so excited because he didn't give up when it got hard, he didn't give up. The next morning though, he was ready because there's one more day of racing. He's like, you know what, I'm gonna do this thing. I'm not gonna give up even when it's hard. We go and race the next morning, same thing. He makes it to the main event. The main event is over and I got this cool picture of Johnny. To my surprise, Johnny, do we got a picture? Do we got a, yeah, do we got a picture? Yeah, Johnny took home the title. So I gotta show you that, yeah. Johnny won this thing, he won this thing. Oftentimes the Bible compares the Christian life to a race. Hard times will come, things will hit us. Sometimes we start off bad. Sometimes we're doing great and we get knocked down. Sometimes things happen to us. Sometimes we do things that we regret. Sometimes we crash and burn. Sometimes somebody crashes and burns into us. Sometimes we experience pandemics. 
Sometimes we experience problems with the stock market. Sometimes we experience drama in our family. Sometimes our bodies fail us. And so we're like, man, praise God about a resurrected body. Can I get an amen? Like, I want to get out of this thing. I, trust me, I think about it all the time. I hate these, you know, my, I told you my feet are messed up. I hate it. Like, I, I cannot wait to have a resurrected body. Here's the thing. Don't give up. Don't give in. Jesus Christ wins. This is a picture to keep on going even when it's tough. Be ready for that day when you stand before him because your life is just a little blip on the timeline. Yes, it sounds and feels like for so long at times, but you can get through to the end. Do not give up. Stand faithful before the throne of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Life is so short and you're going to be tempted to quit, to quit on yourself some of you have already been tempted of that. You've thought dark things about yourself and you feel like there's no hope for me. There's no way out. And you've thought of doing dark things. Keep racing, race till the end. I know it sounds so long, like, oh, you don't even know I've been married to this, to this person for 10 years now. You want me to stay with them for another? Yes, you can do it. You can totally do it. Don't quit. Don't stop. Make it till the end. It's the faithful who will shine in the end. We live in a world full of quitters. A world full of people who, you know what? Don't tell me what to do. I'm my own God. I'm gonna do things my own way. I am the, you know, I'm the master of my own life. But one day they're gonna meet the real master. Are you ready to re meet the real master? Daniel is given a picture of reward. It says, and those who are wise at this day of judgment, they'll shine. Some of us in this life, we're never gonna shine like, you know, the stars we see on television, but you will shine in the life to come. Often those who are overlooked in this world will shine the brightest in the life to come. And those who are shining in this world will be the dimmest in the life to come. Those who are faithful will shine. You will be rewarded for standing firm. You will be rewarded for not giving up, for not giving in, for investing in what will last. A friend of mine, he, he tried to compare, he tried to help me realize this one time. He's like, Ricky, what life are you living for? Are you living for heaven and what will last forever? Or are you living for this tiny little blip on the, on the timeline called life on earth? And if you're lucky, you're gonna get you know, 90 years out of this thing. What life are you living for? He said, imagine, let me help you see this. Imagine you're out at the beach and as you walk out to the water, put your hand in the water, pull out your hand and watch as a single drop of water falls from the tip of your finger. He said, that little drop that falls from the tip of your finger, that little tiny little drop right there, that's like your life on this earth. Everything you do is right in that little drop and, and you're filling up that drop with like, okay, all right, now, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get my next toy and I'm gonna get my next truck or I'm gonna buy this house. I'm gonna have another baby and I'm gonna go, no, I wanna move to this town or I wanna move to that town or I wanna, you know, I, I, I need a new iPhone. I, you're just wrapping your, you're, you're spending your time worried about things that won't even really matter in the end. Why are you so worked up, focused on these things that you're living for this little drop and the drop is here and the drop is gone? When in reality, you should be living for the ocean. That's heaven. This represents your life on earth. The ocean represents eternity. Which life are you living for? Where are you investing your treasure? Where are you investing your time? Are you building everything for this here and the now that is gonna be here one day and gone the next and you'll never get to enjoy forever? Or are you investing in what will last forever? Jesus says, store up your treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't destroy, where thieves don't break in and steal, where they're protected by God. Some of us on the day of judgment, we will receive reward upon reward upon reward upon reward. And guess what? Those rewards will remain forever. They'll never be taken away. But your car is not going with you to heaven. And neither is your iPhone. And neither is your house. And, and neither is that job. And if you move out of state somewhere, Texas isn't going with you. 
People from Texas can go with you. What life are you living for? You see, I'd be a, a bad pastor though if I didn't point out something in this sermon. You see, Daniel is given a picture of the future. Revelation gives us a picture of the future. Jesus gives us a picture of the future. And in that final judgment, that last day, there is a division of people, two kinds of people who will stand before the throne. Some who are judged by what's written in the books, others who will just be found as their names written in the book of life. And, uh, and, and, two, and there's two paths, there's two ends to that scenario. And both are everlasting. And what I want you to see today, and I'd be a poor pastor if I didn't say this, and I don't say this lightly, but I hope you know this leaving here today, and it's this, heaven and hell are real. Heaven is forever. Hell is forever. We can receive the gift of Jesus who paid for our sins and, and, and enter into his glory and enjoy forever with him. Or we could reject his gift and we could pay for our own sins forever apart from him. But both are forever. And I know this isn't popular to talk about. And as we were getting ready for service today, we were praying in the back because we don't wanna talk about this stuff lightly. But, but this is something we see over and over again in scripture, Jesus himself talked about this. Jesus speaks about this parable of the goats and the sheep. And he says this, and talking about the final judgment, he'll place the sheep on his right. In this parable, you wanna be a sheep who belongs to the good shepherd. But the goats will be on his left, all of humanity divided into two categories. Then the king will say to those on his right, the sheep, come, you who are blessed by my father and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Come, I have something amazing in store for you. You, you trusted me, you lived for me. I have something amazing in store for you. Then he'll say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Just so you know, hell is not a place where Satan is ruling with a pitchfork and throwing a kager with a bunch of demons. Amen. That's not hell. Hell was created as a place of punishment for Satan and demons, and Satan and demons are not there yet. They were defeated on the cross. They will be destroyed at the return of Christ and they will be cast into the lake of fire. That's what we read in Revelation. That's what we're reading in Daniel. That's what we're reading right here in Matthew. One, Satan and demons, they, they will one day have their final destiny, which will be a place called hell. Hell is not where Satan throws a party. Hell is where Satan is judged forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And just as Jesus rules over heaven, Jesus even rules over hell. All things, Jesus rules over all. And those will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now, as loving and as accepting as Jesus was, he actually, you, and you guys would agree with that, right? Like when we think about the most loving person on the planet, Jesus Christ is the first person who comes to our mind. But one thing you need to know is he talked about hell more than anyone else in the entire Bible. And he didn't just reference it, he took time to describe it in great detail. God is gracious, God finds no delight in the death of the wicked, but our eternal destiny is determined in this life. And what we see in Daniel, what we see in Revelation, what we see in Matthew is that we have a chance to respond, we have a chance to believe, we have a chance to follow, but when our time is up, there are no second chances. This is it. This is our opportunity. This is our chance to respond. Hebrews says that it's appointed for a man to die once, and then after that comes the judgment. Well, all this mind-blowing information was followed up with two questions. So Daniel hears this and he's blown away and he's just shocked by what he's, but he's, what he's receiving. So he asks two questions. One first is how long until this happens and what will the outcome be? Daniel 12 verse five says, then I, Daniel looked and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders? 
And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. And that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. I heard, but I did not understand. Okay, if you've been going through Daniel and you've been hearing prophecies or you read Revelation and you're like, I heard it, but I didn't understand it. Just so you know, you're in good company. That's Daniel too, okay? That's how how this often goes over. Then I said, oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. Wickedness will increase on the earth and none of the wicked shall understand. People's hearts will be hardened, but those who are wise will understand. They'll be open. They'll be ready to respond in faith. And from that time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at 1,335 days. The big idea here that I want you to see is that the great tribulation, this, this time of warring between, between the powers of darkness and God's saints that comes right before the final judgment, it is only a small chapter in world history. It is not a whole book. Jesus wins, Jesus fights back, Jesus, V-Day is coming, Victory Day comes, and Satan and demons and darkness is defeated. But prior to that, there is a season of three and a half years. He says that there will be 1,290 days. 1,290 days equals three and a half years. He also, uh, we had a picture of the seven year chunk of tribulation broken down into halves, three and a half years and three and a half years. He also said uh, it'll be time, times and half a time. Time is one year, times is plural, so two years. Half a time is half, so half a year, three and a half years. The tribulation chart that we've looked at, it's been broken down into two sections, three and a half, three and a half. From the moment the Antichrist sets himself up to be worshiped, which Jesus calls the abomination of desolation, there will only be three and a half years. Wickedness will increase, but the wise, the righteous will be be purified. The reign of evil is only temporary. Jesus's D-Day was on the cross where he defeated Satan, sin and death. Jesus's V-Day is coming at the tail end of Antichrist where he casts the beast and the false prophet and Satan and demons and all those who oppose him into the lake of fire. Sin is no more, death is no more, Satan is no more, crying and mourning is no more. He establishes a perfect eternal heaven and earth. We're given perfect eternal physical bodies. We're rewarded for the life that we lived and being faithful to Jesus in this lifetime, investing in what will matter, investing in what will last and we'll be receiving various degrees of reward. And that list of books that shows all the bad things that we could have done or did do will not be held against us because we will be clothed in white and covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's where the world is headed. That's all of the end times wrapped in a few words. The question though is this, are you ready? He says to Daniel, the final words, go your way till the end. Daniel, just one day at a time, one foot in front of the other, don't give up, don't be afraid of the future, Focus on being faithful to the Lord. Just focus on being faithful to the Lord. Focus on that and that alone. And you put one foot in front of the other and you will be ready. Believe today, put one foot in front of the other and you shall rest. One day, Daniel, I know you're tired. One day rest is coming and you're gonna stand in your allotted place. You were faithful over little, I'm gonna set you over much. I will reward you at the end of the days. Church, are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you ready for that day? I don't know if that day is soon. I don't know if that day is decades away. I don't know if that day is hundreds of years away. The question is this, are you ready? So what are the takeaways? Just really quickly, number one, I hope you know today that your troubles are temporary. 
Your troubles are temporary. You are just living in this little drop of the ocean. I know it feels like such a long time, but there is more on the other side. Your troubles are temporary. You'll have a new body. You'll have a new hope. This life is just a little tiny dot on the timeline of eternity. Which life are you living for? Your troubles are temporary. Don't give up. Don't give in. Jesus is with you. Number two, keep on racing. Keep on fighting in your marriage. Keep on raising your kids. Keep on showing up to church. Keep on loving your neighbor. Keep on praying for your enemies. Keep on racing even when you get knocked down. Number three, live with an internal perspective. Don't put all your chips on the here and now. Invest in what will last. You can't take your treasure with you, but you can send your treasure on ahead of you. Invest in what remains forever. And finally, number four, trust Jesus today. Some of you are here today and you don't know if you're saved. You don't know if you're ready. You don't know if you're redeemed. I want you to know what's so crazy about heaven is that heaven is not a place where the good people go. Heaven is a place where the forgiven people go. None of us deserve it. None of us can earn it. If it was up to me, I would never make it to heaven and neither would you. Good thing it's not up to us Jesus came and did what we never could have done on our own. And he came so that we could be forgiven, washed white as snow. Are you forgiven? The way you know if you're forgiven is, do you believe how you've, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? Have you believed in your heart that, he, that God raised him from the dead? Are you prepared to meet him face to face? We wanna give you right now, we're gonna close with a song. We've been trying to close with songs every week because this is a chance for us to respond. If you need prayer, we'll pray with you over anything. It could be marriage related. It could be struggle with anxiety. It could be just, hey, I just, I gotta drive test tomorrow and I'm nervous about it, whatever it is. Or it could be as big as, you know what, today I wanna make today the day where I know with certainty that I am ready to meet my maker face to face. We're gonna be here during this last song. And if that's you, we wanna invite you to pray. If that's not you and you wanna stay in your seat and you wanna stand, I wanna encourage you, lift up your hands and worship the one who is worthy. He is God, he is worth it. He is worth everything that you would give him, all the praise that you can afford him. And so I wanna close today with us worshiping our great and awesome. King, I'm gonna pray for us. God, thank you so much for your amazing grace. Some of us today need that grace. All of us need it. Some of us need it in the sense that we, we're not even saved. We're not even sure where we'd go if you came back. We're not even sure where we'd go if we perished. We don't even know. And we, we need that assurance. We need that hope. And so I pray that if that's somebody here today, that they'd be bold enough to ask for it. And for others, we just need grace to love our spouse and to love our kids and to show up and to not be scared about the future. And if that's us, I pray that we would get it. You offer grace upon grace upon grace. You don't delight in us fear, being full of fear. You don't delight in the death of the wicked. You, want, you don't wanna see anyone perish. You look to us, you call us, you, you want us to respond. And I pray that we would. We love you and praise you. We are open to you this morning. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.